you find yourself struggling with all kinds of mental illness and anxiety and depression and, and addiction and things you can't shake? Let's draw near to him. Do you find yourself going back to those habits, those things that you know are going to cause pain, but you just keep going back to them anyway? Do you find yourself gossiping about people you should love and hating those that hate you? Look, in a time of need, let us draw near to his throne of grace. Let us trust in a man who did not sin so that in our sin we can be made the righteousness of God. Let us surrender everything and say, God, I can't do this, but you can. And I hope and I pray that whatever happens tomorrow or Tuesday or in the weeks to come in our community, that in this time of need, we will draw near to God. And we will look to the one who did not sin and say, God, help us to love and to serve and to become for all people what all people might need. That in this time, we can show them who you are, what you have done, and how you have overcome for us. Amen. Hi, this is Chris from The Point, a church where you can come as you are and you can text in your questions. You may not be sure what you believe about God, Jesus, faith, or the Bible, and that's okay, because faith is not about having it all figured out, and God is not waiting for you to put your life together before He'll connect with you. If you'd like to find out more about The Point, you can visit our website at thepointknox.com or connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at The Point Knox. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. at the Regal Downtown West Cinema 8, located at 1640 Downtown West Boulevard. We pray this message has an impact in your life or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are. For those of you joining us on live stream, thank you and welcome. Uh, if you normally are here in person, but you know today you decided to stay away from large group gatherings, that's great. Uh, for any one of you here in person, if in the weeks to come, uh, you're like, I just don't feel comfortable going out and about, uh, please feel free to join us via live stream. And should we get to a place where we need to decide to stop gathering for a time being, uh, we have a plan in place and a lot of things we're doing. Um, we're even having a meeting tomorrow with the health department to talk what's best that we can help not only keep you healthy, but love our neighbors uh, without living in fear and panic. And so uh, if we get to the place that we can't gather, we will continue doing stuff online for you that you can continue to connect with Jesus and with us and maybe even in smaller groups with other people uh, around the city, all right? We are uh, planning and it's... We think it's a great opportunity, actually. Now, on an unrelated note, anybody in here have superpowers? One of you. Cool. Let's talk. Anybody in here wish you have superpowers? Like, if you could wish for any superpower, what would it be? Go ahead. Tell me. Uh, Flying? Invisibility? Strength? Strength? Anything else? Read minds, control minds, right? Control fire, that'd be fun, right? I'm, I'm actually surprised invisibility came out pretty quick. Usually people are, are afraid of saying that because they assume people will think the worst, right? But so many cool superpowers, things we could have, things we could do that would be a lot of fun. And hopefully we would use those superpowers for good measure. Hopefully we'd use them to bless others. And maybe we wouldn't. 
I mean, to be real, if I could fly, I would definitely fly like really close to people driving just to try to freak them out. I mean, I would definitely, if they don't use their blinker, I would like fly right in front of them and slow down really slow. So they have to slow down, right? I would probably use my superpowers for ill gain and ill intent, which is why God didn't give me any. And maybe why he didn't give you any either. When I was a kid, there was a movie I really enjoyed. My dad loved it. We watched it probably more than was healthy. And in the movie, a kid wishes for something, kind of a power he wants to happen, and it comes true. It's a movie maybe you're familiar with called Liar, Liar. Anybody ever seen that one? If you're not familiar, here's the premise. There's a little boy who's tired of being hurt by his dad, and so he wishes that his dad for one day, 24 hours, would not be able to tell a lie. And the whole joke is his dad's a lawyer, and so they're making fun of lawyers like they're just a bunch of liars. And and so, you know, it's pretty funny because his dad, this wish, this power is granted, and the dad can't tell a lie, and he gets himself into all kinds of trouble speaking the truth. And there's this little scene in the, the movie where... The dad's like begging the kid, please, please unwish it. Take it back, right? Change it. I need to be able to tell a lie. And the kid just doesn't understand why would you ever need to tell a lie? He's like, like when your mom was pregnant, she just had this problem. She kept eating all the time. She couldn't not eat. And dad was kind of scared. She gained a bunch of weight. And anytime she asked me, like, how do I look? I would say, you look wonderful, darling. Because if I told your mom she looked like a cow, how do you think she would have felt? Right? Now, maybe the problem there is he shouldn't have been thinking she looked like a cow. Uh, for you pregnant women, that's not what you look like, I promise. All right? But I love that scene because the little boy, he just doesn't understand why somebody would want to lie. And, and this dad, he's trying to justify, well, there's a time for lying, a time for deception that's really good for other people. Like, we should, we should lie to others. Or maybe you should just be nice, right? Like, you can be honest and be nice, but that's not the point of the movie. It'd be less fun then if you're just a nice guy to begin with. But I share this movie because I think in our wish for powers, there's a time when our wish for something great would be for us and a time for others. But what I love about this little boy's wish is he's really wishing for his dad to hurt him less. Have you ever been hurt by somebody? You just wish if you could do anything to change that person so they would stop hurting you? They would stop saying mean things or breaking their promises. If you could just get that person to sin less, wouldn't life be better? I know in my life, there have been a lot of times where other people have sinned against me, and it's really hurt. They've said things that weren't true, or they've said things that were intentionally aimed at digging deep. Yeah, I know that I'm overweight, but you know what? The week after I got married... Literally, one Sunday later, I went to church and I had three people. Wow, marriage has been good to you, Adam. You know, I promised this was not put on in marriage. This started before then, right? Like, not in one week. We have the ability to say and do things that hurt people. Wouldn't it be great if that wasn't the case? Like, what if for one day, you and I had no ability to hurt somebody else? Or maybe somebody else had no ability to hurt you. Wouldn't that be pretty incredible? We're in this series, Behold the Man, and we're looking at Jesus. Who is this man that we believe in? Who is this man that we confess to be all these things we just saw in this video? Who is this man? And today what we're going to look at is something about Jesus, a power he has that none of us have. 
a power that he has that we could only wish we would have. It's this power to not sin. This power to go without hurting other people. Today we're going to look in Luke chapter 4. If you'd like to follow along, feel free. Uh, as Emily mentioned, if you have a phone, feel free to use that to follow along. Otherwise, we'll put some verses on the screen for you if you didn't bring your own. Luke chapter 4 is immediately after Jesus' baptism. Uh, last week we talked about his baptism and how God speaks to him says, This is my son. How you and I have this promise that we are children of God through baptism. And then comes this story. Jesus, it says this, And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. For 40 days, he's there in the wilderness. Throughout Scripture, the wilderness is literally a place that's dry and desolate and painful and filled with suffering. Anybody ever spent time in the wild? Like, some of us are weird and we actually enjoy it. Uh, but there's a thing that's true. When you live in the wilderness, it's really difficult at times. Like, it might be peaceful, it might be nice, but... You know, sometimes water gets scarce and food gets hard to come by and it gets really exhausting just trying to live every single day. Throughout scripture, the wilderness is a place that God sends his people or his people are put in a time of feeling disconnected from him. In a time of being distant from God, they're often sent in the wilderness. If you remember, for 40 years, they wandered the wilderness between Egypt and entering the promised land. For 40 years, they wandered in this time where they should have just been able to go straight into God's promises, but because of their sin, they were kept at bay. And because of their sin, while God continued to meet with them, they suffered and they struggled and they hurt and they hurt one another. Jesus, now full of the Spirit, is sent by God into the wilderness into this place that's known for being dry and barren and painful and difficult so that he could be tempted. In Greek here, the being tempted is this ongoing thing. It's not that Satan just came one time and tempted him. It's like, well, that didn't work. No, for 40 days, this continual temptation to do something that he shouldn't do. You ever felt that pressure? Like, I've never been led by God to go out into the desert on my own and not eat or drink for 40 days. That would be kind of crazy. And if that happens, hopefully God provides. But I've certainly been in times in my life where all I want to do or all I can think about doing is hurting somebody else. Not purposefully. Not like maliciously, like I really hate them. But when, I, when I'm just consumed with thoughts of how they've hurt me and I can't think anything positive of them. When somebody speaks about somebody who's hurt me and all I can think about is the ways I want to tear them down and tell people who they really are. These seasons of temptation where all I want to do is stuff I know will hurt other people. Have you ever been there? Or maybe it won't hurt other people, but it might hurt me. I know this relationship's not going to end well, but for now it's fun. I know feeding this addiction and doing these things isn't going to end well, but for now... It's what I've got. He's led for this season of temptation. And I don't know about you, but I do a really bad job of passing seasons of temptation. 
Like I might make it for a day or two, not where I don't sin. I certainly sin every day, but like I might make it for a day or two with these things that really plague me. But then in my weakness, I fail every single time in some big ways and some small ways. I don't have the power to not sin. Do you? And unfortunately, many of my sins, the things I do that hurt people, I can do in secret and private, and I can, I can justify, this won't actually hurt anybody, right? Like, if I don't speak the hateful words out loud, is it actually hurting somebody? Well, yeah, because those hateful words are still rolling through my head, still changing the way I think about you or others, still changing the way I want to treat you. Those hateful words against myself that say, you are not enough, Adam still certainly cause me to question and doubt at times, even when I don't want to. Jesus is led by God into the wilderness to be tempted, and for 40 days he eats or drinks nothing. Anybody in here ever fasted? Only a couple of you. I want to tell you something about fasting. It sucks, all right? Like, I don't care if you're fasting because you have to have a medical procedure and you can't eat or drink for 12 hours, or if you're doing it as like a a detox cleanse, or if you're doing it for spiritual purposes, fasting is rough. Now, a a couple of us in here, we tried to fast together. We were like, let's make a habit of fasting on a regular basis. And the first time we did it, we said, we're just going to go one day and we're not going to eat from breakfast. Like we'll eat before the sun rises and then we'll eat breakfast the next day after the sun rises. Just 24 hours. We'll see what happens. I'll tell you what happened. We became terrible people, okay? Uh, Our wives were like, you have to stop. You're a jerk. If you continue doing this, this isn't going to work. It happened for every one of us. Because the thing is, when you go without eating for 12 hours or 5 hours or 24 hours, you get really hangry. Anybody in here ever been really hangry? You're just not yourself. You act like somebody different. Or so we tell ourselves. I think the truth is, you actually begin to act like who you really are. What's deep inside, when you no longer have food to hide it and cover it up, what's deep inside begins to bubble out. And you get really, really rough to be around. Whether it's fasting or something else, there are so many times when seasons of difficulty and stress and strain bring out the worst in us. And we want to say that's because of that season of difficulty but it's probably because of what's really deep down inside. You and I are not very good people. No matter how hard we try, we continue to fail. Jesus, he's led into this desert, this wilderness for 40 days, and he eats and drinks nothing. Can you imagine how hangry he could have been if he was you or me? And then it says this, and when they were ended, he was hungry. Well, duh. I get hungry after a few hours. Imagine 40 days, right? Jesus is hungry. And in that moment of weakness, that place of pain, longing for something, desperately in need of something else, then the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. If you remember the the people of God wandering in in the wilderness, God provided miraculously from all sorts of things, right? Like literally, there's this thing called manna, which is is the Hebrew word for what is it? And and it just like rains down from heaven. They wake up in the morning and there's all this food on the ground. It says it's, it's sweet like honey. And I read recently that it was like cakes baked with oil. And so I had to wonder to myself, was manna like donuts? 
right? Sweet and baked in oil sounds wonderful to me. And this is how God provided for them. And then there would be meat when they were hungry. He provided everything they needed there in the wilderness, the season of pain and difficulty where God felt far, he made himself near. Satan comes to Jesus and says, I know you're hungry and things are hard and God seems far. So why don't you just command this stone to be bread and then eat this bread? If Jesus truly is the son of God, if he truly is capable of all that God can do, if he really is not just a man, but something so much more, surely he could speak to this stone and make it bread. Jesus says, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. Jesus quotes God's word back. Yeah, I could do that, but God also says, don't. Right off the bat, I feel like I would already have failed. If I had the power to turn stones into food, I tell you what, I would have a much bigger problem than I currently have losing weight. Right? And my budget would be way better because I wouldn't have to spend money on food. I could just go and make food out of anything. It'd be awesome. It goes on. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, to you, I will give all this authority and their glory for it has been delivered to me and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will be yours. Jesus is tempted with yet another temptation. Here is an opportunity to receive great power and prestige, great honor, great wealth. Everything in the world can be yours. Just worship me. Again, I think I would have failed. It's really natural for me to want to build myself up. I don't want people to think less of me. I want them to think more. I don't want to live without. I want what I want when I want it, which is why Sundays and Chick-fil-A being closed is kind of rough, right? Like, I want instant gratification. If Netflix isn't loading fast enough, I'm switching to Disney+. Plus. Deal with it. She says, look, this is not the way God created it. See, I'm not supposed to take the quick fix, the instant way out. I'm not supposed to just bow down and do what you ask because I know what's coming if I wait. I know what's coming if I do it God's way, not your way. Jesus responds, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Again, he uses scripture. Hey, Satan, look, you don't win. I know what God says. I could bow down and take the easy way out. I could give in right now, but there's something greater coming than what you have to offer now. It goes on. And he took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you. And on their hands, they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. Satan takes him to that place of worship where all the people would see a very visible public place. He says, look, throw yourself from the highest of places because God will protect you, right? Throw yourself into danger. Throw yourself into this mess. It'll be okay. Don't worry about it. God has written in his word, he'll take care of you. Could Jesus have done it? I probably would have. There's something sinful in me that really likes attention. I like people to notice when I'm doing something good. And when something good happens to me, I like to share it with anybody else. Any of you on social media? 
It's the entire reason social media exists. So we can just like tell people about how great our lives are. Like nobody's, okay, not nobody. Today things are changing a little bit, right? But most of us aren't posting like, I have really bad diarrhea right now. Unless we're complaining because somebody took all the toilet paper at the store. Then we might post that. But generally what's going online is, look at how great my life is. How perfect everything seems to be. How comfortable I am. How happy I am. How much I love my spouse or my job or this or that. Look at me. We want this attention. Jesus is in these three different ways tempted by the devil with very real and legitimate things that the devil could have given him. That he could have given into and done ways he could have taken his power as God and used it for his own will and his own purposes. Used his power as God to promote himself. Certainly a sin I think I would do if given great power. But Jesus once again doesn't fall into it. Once again he answers and said, You shall not put the Lord God to the test. Again, God's word against Satan and his word. He says, look, God says, don't test him. I'm going to honor God. I'm going to put God first. I'm not going to make it about my way or doing it in a quick and easy way. I'm not going to provide for my needs in some miraculous way. No, I'm just going to trust in God and it will be okay. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Behold the man who does not sin. Behold the man who in the moment of weakness, in a time of pain, where God feels distant, rather than leaning on his own understanding and his own power and his own ability and the quick fix and the things that he could do right then and there, trusts in God instead. Behold the man who does not sin. As we consider who this Jesus is, as we look at why we believe in him, as we consider why he's so much better than you and I could ever imagine, behold the man who does not sin. See, for you and for me, whether it's in a season of temptation like this or in little tiny ways, every single day, we will sin. We will do things that hurt ourselves and hurt people around us. We will fail to love our neighbor as we've been instructed to. We will think things that go against God's very plan for us. Things that condemn us and say we're not enough. Things that condemn our neighbor for how terrible they are. Paul writes that he's chief of sinner. And a friend of mine, a pastor, he used to joke, he'd say, chief of sinner though I be, you are certainly worse than me. Have you ever thought like that? I know that I'm terrible, but I'm not as bad as that guy. I, at least I don't think like that person. I, I haven't cheated on my wife like that one. right? I haven't done these things. I must be okay. But the truth is, no matter how much we wish, or how much we try, or how much we desire for things to change, you and I, in and of ourselves, are filled with sin. And there's nothing we can do about that. But Jesus... Unlike us, his without sin. And even in the greatest of struggles and the greatest of temptations, in a time of great suffering, and God, where are you now? He could stand firm on what God has commanded and what God has promised. In 2 Corinthians, it says this about Jesus. For our sake, he made him to be sin 
who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. See, Jesus didn't just face temptation and overcome it because it was a cool thing to do. It wasn't just God showing off, look at how great Jesus is. It wasn't God just trying to put on a spectacle. Here's a man who can do something nobody else can. No, it was demonstrating something far greater. Here's a man who can do something nobody else can. See, for the wages of sin is death. And all who have sinned deserve to die. But those who never sin need not die. Here's a man who can do what no one else can. He can go without sinning, that he can stand in your place, that he can offer himself up, he can suffer and die, that your death would be repaid, that your sin would be made new, that you and all of your brokenness would be given new life. He became sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. No longer defied or defined by the times we've failed. No longer defined by the times we don't get it right. No longer defined by our best efforts and our best attempts. Try harder, do better, get it right next time. No, defined by him. The one who got it right the first time. Who will get it right every time who became sin so that you and I can become the righteousness of God. Sometimes when we read stories like this in Scripture and we see Jesus uh, overcoming temptation, we read them with the lens that says, well, then what must I do, right? Well, if Jesus, he quoted Scripture, anytime I'm tempted, I should quote Scripture too. That's not what this is about. Yes, Scripture will help you in times of temptation. Well, Jesus, he just trusted in God. I should do the same. Yeah, but you know what? You won't, even if you try. You and I will always fail when tempted. But he won't. He will do what we can't do so that he can do what we can't do. And he can make you and he can make me completely new. In Hebrews, it talks about a great high priest. You see, in the Old Testament, there was this reality that God instituted a priesthood through a man named Aaron, Moses' brother. God instituted a priesthood and said, these people will act on behalf of the people. They will act as intermediaries to help the people connect with God. And the high priest, the one most holy, most sinless, most above everybody else, would go in and offer sacrifices. In the book of Hebrews, it describes Jesus as our high priest. The one who can go in and offer sacrifice for us. The one who can go in and make our sins no more and make us clean again. It says this in Hebrews. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. See, we have a God who isn't distant from our suffering. He's not far off in our times of pain. He doesn't leave you to be tempted and say, well, just figure it out on your own. Get it right this time. We have a God who knows our sin, who knows our temptations and our struggles and our burdens we can't overcome. And the things that no matter how hard we try, we continue to fail at. No matter what we do, we keep going back to you. We have a God who knows all of our sin, who's been there, can sympathize with us in all of our temptation. And yet he did not sin. 
goes on, the next verse says this. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Because Jesus overcame temptation and because he went without sin, because he knows our suffering and knows our pain, because he stepped into a place we can't go, therefore, let's draw near with confidence that we might receive grace and mercy in a time of need. Church, are you in need today? Do you find yourself struggling with all kinds of mental illness and anxiety and depression and and addiction and things you can't shake? Let's draw near to him. Do you find yourself going back to those habits, those things that you know are going to cause pain, but you just keep going back to them anyway? Do you find yourself gossiping about people you should love and hating those that hate you? Look, in a time of need, let us draw near to his throne of grace. Let us trust in a man who did not sin so that in our sin we can be made the righteousness of God. Let us surrender everything and say, God, I can't do this, but you can. And I hope and I pray that whatever happens tomorrow or Tuesday or in the weeks to come in our community, that in this time of need, we will draw near to God. And we will look to the one who did not sin and say, God, help us to love and to serve and to become for all people what all people might need. That in this time, we can show them who you are, what you have done, and how you have overcome for us. Amen. Will you join me in prayer? God, we thank you that you are the man who did not sin, who got it all right. God, you faced every temptation and trial. God, one who can sympathize with us in our weakness, in our pain, in our brokenness. You know what it's like to be hungry and hurting. And yet you do not sin. So God, for those of us who are hungry and are hurting, for those of us who are are struggling with addiction and, and, and temptation, with habits and hurts and things we can't shake, for those of us who keep hurting those whom we should love and hating those whom you love, God, we pray that you'd help us to draw near, to find our hope and our strength in you. We thank you that you do not call us to be without sin, but instead you declare us without sin. You make us new in light of what you have done, that we might be whole in you. We thank you, God, for your grace and your mercy and your love. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now's the time of the, the service where we normally collect our offering. Uh, how many of you like touching money on a regular basis? I mean, I like having money, but money just leaves your hands feeling really dirty, right? The truth of the matter is, physical cash is one of the like germiest things out there. It's really bad. Um, so to help keep you healthy, one of the things we decided to do today is our offering time is going to look a little different. 
Normally we pass a popcorn bucket down back and forth down the rows, but that just entirely defeats the purpose of like not shaking hands and touching people because you're just touching all the things they touch too. And so our ushers uh, today at the end of the service when you leave are going to be in the back. If you brought a physical offering, cash or check, and you'd like to put it in there, um, or if you have one of those envelopes, you can put it in the bucket when you leave. And we're going to sing a song. We're going to worship even without passing the buckets to remember that our offering is an opportunity to partner with God and say, God, I want to join you in the work that you're doing through this people and in this place. I want to join you in loving our community. And so we trust God with our time and with our, our talents, with everything he's given us, even with our finances. We say, I want to partner with you and trust you in this season. Uh, in the days and weeks to come, as things may change, as we continue to look at the news and say, what is the reality and how do we love our neighbor best? And one of the things you can do if you are a part of this church and really believe in what we're doing is you can actually help us quite a bit by for a short season committing to giving online. By giving electronically, there's no germs that our ushers have to you know, touch and feel and count. But also, should we be in a place where we can't gather for a season, you can continue to support the work God is doing uh, through that gift. And you can do so at thepointknox.com. However you choose to give, whatever you choose to give, remember this. We give not to get his love, but because we already have it. Thank you. We're going to be sharing some more stuff about our plan and what we're going to do as a church. Maybe you noticed today some things were a little different. Uh, we're sanitizing things a little more. We're also at the mercy of the theater and what they decide. So um, please keep up to date. Uh, we're going to be putting stuff out in email and on social media and on our website because we want to connect with you. Um, also, should something happen like in parts of the country where like movement's restricted and you're actually stuck at home, we want to be able to be there to like, hey, we'll bring you toilet paper when you run out. Not like in the moment, because you're probably going to sit there a while, but in a couple hours or days, right? Or we want to be there to bring you soup if you're sick or to care for you in any need. So please, uh, we are formulating how we're going to connect with you should we have to totally shut down. Uh, we have great ideas I'm really excited for. Uh, if you haven't in a while updated your information, will you just make sure that it's correct? I filled it out the other day. It takes like two minutes. So let us know so that we can connect with you and serve you uh, whatever happens next. All right. A uh, couple of things that came in every week. We invite questions because we think they're a healthy part of faith. Uh, now, there's a few things that are not questions, um, but I'll share with them with you anyway. Uh, first, why it's not true that ostriches don't bury their heads in the sand. The problem being up here is you're going to correct me. Thank you for teaching me something new. Um, Apparently, they don't bury their heads in the sand, but they do dig holes in the sand to put their eggs. And so uh, regularly throughout the day, they, they tuck their head into those holes to turn the eggs. So it appears they're burying their head in the sand. They're not. Thank you. That's informative, and I had no idea. Uh, next, the devil's power alluded to in Luke has not been re uh, relinquished or taken from him. You're right. Uh, the devil still rages in this world. He still has authority and power to do things to tempt us and cause us to despair. However, we have a hope that Jesus has conquered everything and set us free from even the power of the devil. And so while he reigns here and, and now for a time being, while he has authority for a season, our greatest hope, our ultimate hope is that Jesus has overcome uh, and he is our victory. Next, whoops. I noticed you've used two Jim Carrey movies as examples in the last few weeks. Liar, Liar Today and a few weeks ago, Bruce Almighty. Uh, I have a confession to make. My dad had an unhealthy obsession with Jim Carrey as a kid. So like most of my childhood was just Jim Carrey movies on repeat. Um, now as an adult, I've learned that's probably not healthy. Um, 
But I'm looking forward to uh, seeing Ace Ventura being used in the future. I'll see what I can do. All right. Sonic, I have not seen that one. Is that a Jim Carrey one? I didn't realize that. Wow, he's really branching out. All right, church, like we said, we want to connect with you. Whatever happens next, please don't be afraid to reach out to us if you do need anything. Um, if you need toilet paper, we're on a limited supply, but we'll see what we can do, all right? Uh, hand sanitizer, we're also on a limited supply, but we'll try and help however we can. Apparently, people weren't crazy. There's a guy here in Tennessee I read this morning. They bought thousands of bottles of hand sanitizer like a month and a half ago, anticipating the opportunity to sell it. Uh, I drove by somebody the other day uh, that had a 12-passenger van plus a 12-foot trailer, and the van was entirely full of toilet paper. So our hope as Christians is that we can be people of hope and help to your neighbor, which also means, like, don't go crazy. You don't need 306 rolls of toilet paper, okay? So if you're hoarding that many, Tyler could use some. <laughs> Just check out his Facebook. He needs some help, all right? You're welcome. Uh, church, receive this blessing. Uh, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he look upon you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. Thank you for listening to one of our Sunday morning messages. If this message has made an impact in your life, please let us know. Simply fill out the Contact Us page on thepointknox.com. And if you'd like to be a part of supporting The Point Ministry, simply go to thepointknox.com forward slash support. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. at the Regal Downtown West Cinema 8, located at 1640 Downtown West Boulevard. We pray this message has an impact in your life or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are.